Hey, this is Art Erkins with Fairfield County, Connecticut Postal Customer Council, and welcome to Postal Biz Buzz. Since this is our first podcast of the new year, Happy New Year, everyone. Today's guest is urban archaeologist Greg Van Antwerp. Greg is also a blogger, historian, and public speaker who gives talks on the incredible discoveries he has made while searching through homes, attic to basement, as he looks for hidden history. He calls his live and virtual presentations Stories from the Attic. I'm sure you're going to enjoy today's episode, so let's ask Greg the burning question that is on everybody's mind. Greg, what is an urban archaeologist? Hi, Art. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, urban archaeologist is a term that I coined years ago, which is, you know, it's difficult to say that you've coined a term because there is nothing new thanks to the Internet. Uh, it's all in the marketing, right? Uh, so it's a, it's a term you can probably search and find uh, that numerous uh, people or businesses have used. Uh, but I coined it years ago because it, it sort of matched what I love to do, which was uh, to try and hunt through a garage tag and estate sales and, and look for things that just kind of struck me as either funny, odd, unique, or fascinating. Um, and it kind of became this sort of passion of mine for, I guess really the definition is, you know, finding, preserving, uh, you know, sharing hidden or little known history. That, that's really what it is. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure uh, during your excursions, you, you must have found lots of documents and the like. What kind of items related to the postal service have you found? Uh, I, you know, I don't know where to begin. You know, there's just so much out there, you know, and, and I think everyone can admit that we all have too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a generational problem. Not only us, but our relatives have had too much stuff. Uh, so these things get uh, that get tossed and discarded, and they're really examples of of all kinds of things that just run a, a, the the full gamut, the, the, a wide range of of what you might find in a museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, military items, art, photography, entertainment, uh, local history, national history, international history. It, it's and, and so the the connection to the, the postal history is that so much of what I find is, and what I love to find, is old paper. Mm-hmm. And that often means finding, uh, you know, letters, uh, documents, uh, things that have gone through the mail or, you know, that, you know, just represent people's, you know, own personal history and then their representation of what they've experienced, of what's going on in, in history at that time. So it's kind of a... It, it, it's part of the fabric of, of history that, that, you know, builds these stories of mine. Right. Well, I wonder if, uh, Jern, you know, what, what's the oldest piece of postal history that you have found? The, uh, the oldest piece, which is, which is a, it's a constant search for the oldest, you know, it's fun to find those sort of, uh, you know, those extremes. What's the oldest thing? I'm always looking for something even older, but uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the most special oldest things I have is a letter from 1844, um, which was, you know, which was part of a, a, a pile of papers that a family essentially uh, handed over to me um, at, at an estate sale. And it, in amongst these papers was this envelope, uh, and, and I knew right away that it was extremely old because there's no stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I opened it up, and, uh, you know, the, this is the, the time when the letters themselves, uh, the envelopes themselves were the letter. You know, oh, paper okay. being scarce or, or, or valuable, uh, you know, you would just write the letter on a piece of paper and then fold it into an envelope and mm-hmm. then and then you know put it through the post system. Um, but inside, as I opened this up, um, there was something other than just a letter. It was a, a 
silk uh, campaign ribbon uh, representing the Whig Party uh, in 1844 and, and advertising this Whig convention uh, coming up and in support of their candidate, Henry Clay. Oh, wow. And uh, just an awesome rabbit hole of, of history uh, to discover in just unfolding that. Um, and and that, that was really just kind of amazing to me. Right. Boy, you know, during this pandemic time, I've spent a lot of time indoors and I taught myself all the uh, the presidents in order. I think that goes back to, you know, the, the Tyler administration, you know, or Polk down in, down in that area. That's that's fascinating. Uh, it, it really is. Um, you know, now I wonder when I when I view shows such as Storage Wars and the like, they're always interested in that one box sitting in the back. Have you ever found money in your searches? You know, it, it's it's funny. You know, people still today, and, and actually, it's funny. I just sent a uh, a letter to a friend of mine, and I dropped a five dollar bill in it, but I had to put in other pieces of paper in it to kind of sort of mask it. Um, so, you know, it's it's something that, that sort of never ends. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so the expectation is that when you're opening these envelopes, that there might be something special. And and I have actually found, uh, you know, small small amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of cute stories I really have, but. You know, the one that was most uh, interesting to me was in an envelope I found uh, something known as postal currency, and I had to look that up. I thought, what is postal currency? Hmm. Uh, and it was a actually it was a, a, a like the size of half a note, uh, and it and it has a denomination on it of just uh, twenty five cents, right. and it's from the eighteen sixties, really right around the Civil War, and uh, although it's po- called postal currency. Uh, it's sort of a nickname. It wasn't officially known as that. It's actually known as fractional uh, currency, and there's there's even another name for it. But um, but it was something that was created during the Civil War because people were hoarding coins as as the economy uh, sort of started to kind of become strained from war, mm-hmm. and uh, so there was a scarcity of coins. So the uh, Treasury Department came up with this fractional currency, mm-hmm. and it became called postal currency because. It looked like stamps. Uh, they, you know, it had such a similar uh, printing or style, and because it wasn't as large as a regular note, uh, so it just got this name, of postal currency. And you can still find these, uh, you know, find these around at uh, at, at, at paper shows or, or uh, coin shows. And uh, and every now and then, if you look in the right envelope, some relative has stashed away something because they really became not really usable uh, the uh, at some point. So they just kind of got sort of tucked away so they're they're still hiding in the quarters of uh, of attics and basements and uh, in places like that yeah that's that's amazing so you know what about stamps you we hear a lot about stamp collectors have you ever come across valuable stamps you know i come across stamp collections really at almost every sale uh it's it's kind of a standard and uh you know it, it is and has been uh such a popular pastime to collect stamps and of course, as as we you know get get closer to uh, you know sort of stampless mailing, and obviously the email you know they, they become more scarce and, and people become more interested in them. But what we really find at estate sales again is that part of that uh, that that uh, I'm going to say that detritus isn't the right the right term, but part of the items that that families cast off uh, as they as they try and move on with their lives are things like stamp collections. And what is very common. And we may have all known someone or experienced ourselves is that a relative will, uh, you know, pop up 
uh, you know, an older relative will pop up in front of you and, and hand you these, you know, folders and folders of their stamp collections that maybe they collected as a child and just could not throw away. It's something you cannot throw away. Mm. It, it, even if it uh, has no value, it appears to have value. Right. Um, and of course, you know, the, the, the design and ornateness and the representation of history, you know, stamps are, are perfect for, uh, you know, for collectors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the challenge is, is that you really have to become a, a super expert to find the value in certain stamps. Overall, I, I, I don't want to say that stamp collections are not valuable, um, but the majority of them uh, that I see, because I, I check uh, boards that people post about uh, uh, the art stamp collecting, uh, philately, and uh, uh, you know, and, and the question is always: I've got a stamp collection that my grandfather gave me. How much is it worth? And it almost always comes back as it's not worth really anything more than than what might be face value. I too had a relative come to me and pass along a collection that that uh, they felt was, you know, should stay in the family. It was very valuable, and they were all unused stamps from the past fifty years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and while fifty years is a good is a good long time. Uh, those stamps, unused, are are still actually usable as, as postal currency. So, right. um, I hate to admit it, but I've I've mailed some letters and used the stamps from that collection because they'll never they'll never appreciate to where they are. But right. if you find the upside down Jenny, that's what you're looking for. And maybe there's a new Guinea one cent stamp somewhere out there that's worth millions. But uh, the rest, you really have to be an expert to find. Right. Huh. Well, I know we, we had talked earlier with Lisa, our sound engineer, and um, you, you had mentioned that you had found some letters and that sometimes you wrestle with the moral aspect of reading other people's mail. Could you expand on, on that moral aspect question? <laughs> sure. Yeah, the, uh, the, the challenge of, of looking for old paper, you know, collecting what they call ephemera, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, you know, part of the challenge is that you, you are... You know, I am going into these estate sales and digging through the past of other people's lives. I'm going to come up with uh, all sorts of things that they uh, they created and held dear, and uh, you know, and so finding finding letters, finding mail, you know, you you walk this thin line of what is personal and what is history, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my battle is always to search for the context that uh, takes something that that happened, you know, 70, 80, 100 years ago, and to bring it into the, you know, the present uh, so that people, so as, as a piece of valuable, you know, represent, representation of history that the people will learn from or appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's a real challenge. Uh, you know, my goal is I do not want to air someone's dirty laundry. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm there to do. Um, you know, hey, look at what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, that's not, that's not cool, as they say. Uh, so I, I really, I, I, I wrestle sometimes, and, and I tell people all it takes sometimes is that one special letter, and, and you know, you've you got you to gotta share it, because right. it's just too good. Right. Um, well, let me ask you then, so what are some of your favorite letters that you've come across? Well, you know, right now I'm working on uh, something really, really special, and that is I was I was gifted by my mother uh, my grandfather's uh, diaries from World War One. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a British subject. Uh, he was a, uh, a Royal Fusilier, and uh, and he was in the trenches in uh, in, in France. Wow. 
and uh, and he saw an awful lot. And what he did was he wrote all his letters and sent sent them to his uh, mother and father, my great grandparents, mm-hmm. and they actually took those letters and and transcribed them into diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actual letters in there, but then there are these transcriptions. So. Uh, uncovering my grandfather's history, which is written in incredible detail, I mean, almost graphic detail, um, is, is just a, a great joy for me. Um, but, um, but I find all kinds of, of sort of the, some, sometimes my favorite letters are the ones, uh, from the front lines. And you have a, uh, you, you know, you have this challenge of, uh, of the soldiers that wrote these letters, even my grandfather, that they pass through censors first, and typically they're scrubbed of all the, uh, the, the the detail, um, obviously, for the sake of, of uh, security. Right. can't give away the secrets to the enemy. Right. Um, but I have one letter from a, a Marine who served on the island of Pilelu in the South, uh, South Pacific in 1944. Mm-hmm. And the letter that he writes to his, sis- his sister, who was at college at the time, is uh, it, he's actually describing the bullets flying past him and, oh. uh, and, and hitting someone next to him. I mean, he's right in the thick of it. And to get a first-person account of, of that uh, is is so special. You know, when you talk about what letters to share, what not to share, right. this is absolutely essential that this be shared uh, because of its value. Uh, you know, because the, the reality of war is it does get get washed away with with the history books interpretations and right. and. But when you have a first-person account, that is. Uh, that's really it. But, but yep. there's other well, too, sorry, sorry for interrupting. I, I just got to say that I, I find this so interesting because um, years ago in my own life, I traveled through Indonesia and I made stops in northern Sulawesi, Ambon, and Biak, which was only about 500 miles away from where you're talking about. And I saw some of the rusty old anti-air artillery used to defend the islands, and it's really like stepping back in time. And sorry for interrupting. I know you were you were moving on, so please continue. But I wanted to share that that you know, uh, I was on one of those well, islands and saw the artillery, and it, it was like wow, you know, to read a first well, you know, account. Mm-hmm. Art, you know, I, I give these talks. Uh, I give uh, talks to uh, community centers, uh, you know, senior senior living communities, yeah. um, and I'm you know, constantly uh, doing that. And that that um, reminiscing is exactly what I love to have happen in my talks, mm-hmm. mentioning something, showing something, you know, touching something in, in when we're, you know, out of, out of the pandemic, right. um, really brings back memories for people. And it, and it creates conversation, which I think is really important. Um, but, you know, the, some of the letters I love to share are the letters that are uh, to and from kids at summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I have one letter that I read at every talk that is from, a, you know, it's sort of a friend of the family to a young girl. Mm-hmm. At camp in 1931, and and you know in the letter, uh, she you know she uh, gives the classic um, gaff as to what you never do in a letter to really anybody, but to a mm-hmm. child is, and that is to talk about negative things. You know, it should be all, all letters should be written you know upbeat, like good right. things are happening, and I see I see good things coming. Right. This letter actually has you know the 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 death of a family pet. In it, and it mm. and it just drives my audiences wild when I read it because it's written in kind of in such a blase manner, like this just happened, mm. and then it, you know, and then she continues on with, and so how are things with you? And and <laughs> and you just everyone the audience is just sort of set back yeah. in this sort of wry laughter of like, how could you write such a letter <laughs> to a young girl? But uh, great that, fun, it's that, just great fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Any any other letters uh, like um, that you'd like to share or? 
Um, how about well, letters? Know, yep, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. There's. You know. The. Uh, you know. I. I really want to kind of cap it off by saying. You know. There's. You know. I. There, it's proof positive that I don't share every single letter. Uh, really, just a few weeks ago, in in a estate sale, very old house in uh, in Bedford, New York, I found a uh, a letter. Uh, to Santa, uh, written by what has to be a, a four-year-old in 1937, mm. uh, and uh, the letter has a, has a cute little Christmas seal stamp on it from 1937, and and it's and you can just barely make out that it says to Santa, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I found it, and it's still sealed, and it wasn't sealed because it was just sort of left and the glue re-adhered on the envelope. It was sealed and never never opened or never sent to Santa. Yeah. Uh, and I shared this, and I, I tell my audiences, I will not ever, ever open this. Mm-hmm. It's too private, and I'm afraid that the Christmas magic might leak out. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's, it's funny where my audiences fall between somewhere between, oh my gosh, you've got to open it, we have to see. <laughs> and the other half is like, no, no, don't open it. Yeah. Um, but that's part of the fun of, of discovering these things, is, is the... the, the 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 drama the the theater that kind of comes out of uh, the discovery and sharing right well you know we just had a podcast on the letters to santa last month and uh if it's addressed correctly you could still put one of those stamps on it and get it to santa if it's not too late <laughs> i've shared that with my audiences and i, I plan to consider doing that for them, <laughs> for them. <laughs> well this has been interesting so greg what what's next for you can you expand on you know what's what's in the future for well, you and future plans? Every weekend art is another opportunity to find and capture or rescue hidden history. Uh, so I'm always looking forward to uh, the next uh, the next weekend, the next possibilities of, of uh, discovery. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I'm also you know uh, building uh, you know a client list of, of um, organizations that would love to have me come talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and and give a presentation either virtually or in person with the hope that we can do that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I you know I have a, a website uh, which is foundastory.com. That's mm-hmm. uh, foundastory.com uh, where I describe and promote my speaking engagements. Uh, but um, but you know I always want to leave with you know I always like to say you know history is hiding everywhere. We mm-hmm. have to keep looking and we have to keep preserving and sharing. Right. And so if. Uh if our audience wants to get in touch with you, how could they do that directly? Thank you. The, uh, my email is historyhunter411 at gmail.com. Oh, okay. So there you go, historyhunter411 at gmail.com. Um, anything else you want to share with us, Greg? No. You know, the, my goal actually is I don't want to be the only urban archaeologist out there. I want everybody to learn how to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, to consider it, because I, I need I need an army of urban archaeologists, because every weekend things get thrown away or uh, damaged by uh, rain or whatever, and uh, and and it, there really is some real value and lessons we can learn from uh, from saving these things. So I hope, hope hope we can do that. Great. Well, that's awesome. I hope our audience uh, appreciated um, our, our discussion today, and I want to thank you for your time and remind everyone that you've been listening to Postal BizBuzz. You can link to us from our website at www.pcc-ct.org or listen to us from all the popular podcast sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more. Once again, thank you, Greg, and thanks to Lisa, our sound engineer. Thanks for having us.